You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Greetings and welcome to Domecast, the news and observer and NC Insider Politics Podcast. I'm Don Vaughn, here with Julian Shanbero, Will Doran, Lucille Sherman, and Danielle Battaglia. And this is a very special edition of Domecast because we are saying farewell to our politics intern extraordinaire, Julian Chen Barrow, who we've very much appreciated uh, this summer. So this is a Julian episode, and uh, we're going to get Julian's takes on, as a college student, as a Californian, (laughs) as a a summer-long resident of the City of Oaks, of what you guys, uh, or what you think, and then we can chime in about different things. So... Um, okay, Lucille thinks we should call the episode Julian Hot Take, so let's call it that. Um, all right, Julian, so tell us what's your hot take on, well, why don't you just like, what's your what's your hot take total on everything, and then we can like go to subcategories. I don't know how hot t- my, uh, my, t- my takes are going to be today. You know, I, I think it's a little bit difficult to develop really interesting hot takes um, when you spend so much of your time in a city confined to your apartment. Um, but that might, you know, really be the reality of, or has been the reality of 2020. So um, I guess my my hot take will probably be directed more at the the News and Observer newsroom, but also probably a lot of people in North Carolina who feel strongly about this as well, um, in that Krispy Kreme might be a little bit overrated. And I, I actually live right next to a Krispy Kreme. And when I got here, every single person was like, oh my God, that's amazing that you're right next to the Krispy Kreme. So I have had a fair amount of it this summer. I actually don't think I'd ever had it before coming here. Um, and I know that it, I, I believe the original Krispy Kreme was founded in North Carolina. So um, that's my hot take is that it's okay, but I, I don't know if it's as good as everyone makes it out to be. Okay, like the the most important thing, though, is that Bojangles was also founded in North Carolina. Did you at least have Bojangles and think that Bojangles has the best biscuits and is not overrated? I have not had Bojangles, and I feel like I am. This episode is going to turn into a lot of people just on Twitter hating on me for not having the true North Carolina experience. But I am sad to admit that I have not tried Bojangles. Wait, I got to weigh in on this. So, Julian, because I... Grew up in Los Angeles. Well, I didn't really grow up in Los Angeles. I was born in Los Angeles. I feel like donuts are better in California. Would you agree with that? I might agree with that, but I think it's a little bit different because I've had, you know, if I think about the donuts that I've had in uh, California, they've been kind of like local, like uh, mom and pop donut shops, which I I didn't get the chance to try here in Raleigh. So I don't want to like compared to two completely different things. Because I think anytime you go for kind of a major chain place, you're going for a different experience than if you go to like a small, you know, family restaurant for whatever kind of food. So I, I don't want to try and equate those two, but maybe possibly agree um, with you, Danielle. I want to second that hot take as someone who arrived in Raleigh in February. And I really like Two Roosters ice cream and like Yellow Dog and Oak wood pizza box yeah uh something the pizza place uh in that area so i drive by krispy kreme often to get food from other places in that area and i'm always so confused because the line is so long i haven't been to that krispy kreme but yes i'm very confused by the deep love of krispy kreme i hope someone can explain it at some point to me because i don't get it there was one day after the general assembly 
that I had to sit outside that Krispy Kreme for 40 minutes because the line was wrapped around the building and I could not get out of my lane to get out of there. So it took me like an hour to get home. And I live during quarantine era, like 10 minutes from the General Assembly. I think like nationally, people will wait in line for weird stuff. So maybe they like the idea of Krispy Kreme more, Um, but also Pepsi is from North Carolina. So I assume you've probably had Pepsi before. (laughs) What did you think? And then Cheerwine, that cherry soda, is also uh, North Carolinian. So have you had that yet? And obviously, you have a whole bunch of things you need to do before you move. Yeah, uh, clearly in my last 24 hours, there are like 15 different things I need to try. And maybe Bojangles is at the top of that list. But um, I've never had Cheerwine. I have had Pepsi. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I think as far as sodas go, Pepsi is is a, I, I would say, a slightly above average soda. This has been a, a really, uh, I think, engaging politics podcast so far for our listeners. So I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to give this uh, the content people want before I leave. Um, but I do yeah. want to clarify just that, you know, Krispy Kreme, don't get me wrong, it's, it's not bad. You know, it's not like you can go bad with donuts. I just don't necessarily understand the love for it. Um, but I, I appreciate it still as an institution. You can get cheer wine at Bojangles, right? When he tries that. I think the only drink option at Bojangles is sweet tea. I don't think you're legally allowed to get anything else. I've only <laughs> been to Bojangles twice, so I have no idea. Oh I'm pretty God. sure there's, what are you people doing? there's an executive order against um, having anything other than tea and Pepsi and sure wine. Uh, yeah, I haven't been to Bojangles yet. Uh, so sorry to disappoint all of you. This is just sad. Just sad. Yeah. <laughs> You guys don't have an excuse uh, like Julian does. Um, <laughs> Julian, uh, what was your, uh, did you ever make it down to the, the legislative cafeteria? Uh, I, I know you were at the legislature for a while when they were in session. Uh, you know, obviously people love the fried squash down there. Did you get the chance to, to sample any of our, uh, our, our, our local cuisine in the basement of the building? I did not, unfortunately. I heard good things about it, um, or I, I will say I heard mixed things about it, um, but definitely heard some good things about some things like the squash. I, I definitely caught some glimpses looking through the window as I walked by the cafeteria, um, but I didn't have the, the personal pleasure of getting to eat there. Well, we did take it to the Daily Planet Cafe that one time, so there that's actually local, right? <laughs> the Sciences Museum, so we did eat uh, North Carolina food <laughs> At some point, what was your what was your take on the legislative building and on the people in it? Um, I mean, I know you had a short time, but just to see how that whole process works and how crazy it is and and just everything, um, even non, you know, COVID related about it. Yeah, I, I, you know, enjoyed my brief period of time at the legislative building. I was only there for, you know, about one week because I was coming in kind of at the very tail end of the session. Um but I, you know, was perplexed by the building. I found it very interesting, um, the way that it's very difficult to navigate. And then in, in terms of like the people and the process itself of everything that was going on, you know, I don't have a lot of experience, um, you know, following state politics in, in any state, really. Um, you know, I left California before I was really into kind of making my way in political reporting. And so I never um, you know, as a high school student, paid that much attention to things that were going on in our state legislature. So mostly I've been kind of comparing my experience here to the experience I've had in the past covering uh, national politics. And obviously things are just very, very different. Um, but I, I think that in terms of the kind of like 
personal level. Um, you know, I was surprised by how accessible a lot of the politicians here are and how it was pretty easy for me to be able to just kind of hop on the phone um, with legislators, talk to them about the things that they're working on. And, um, you know, obviously there's like always uh, some degree of distance between journalists and uh, the legislative, you know, folks who are working on things. And sometimes they don't necessarily want us to know everything about what they're working on. But, uh, but overall, my experience coming from national politics, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by people being a lot more willing to work with the press and, and kind of more open about some of the stuff they're working on and, and kind of giving you that time. Yeah, one thing that is really neat about the legislature here is, you know, how even, you know, after just a, a fairly short amount of time, if you're there, you know, people will learn your name uh, and they'll pick up the phone when you call them. I mean, that's not, you know, necessarily true of Congress where you have to go through all these, you know, multiple layers of spokesmen and campaign people and stuff like that to, to get to the candidate. I mean, here you can just, you know, call somebody up on their cell phone and half the time they'll pick up and, you know, and a lot of the times if they don't pick up, they'll call you back and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll walk you through something and uh, so shout out to all the, the lawmakers there who, uh, who do take our calls and return them and are willing to, to walk us through things, um, especially on the more complicated things, making sure we don't miss any angles or anything like that. But yeah, that, that is definitely a, a unique experience, I think, uh, just state level politics compared to national and uh, no shout outs to the lawmakers who don't return our calls and our emails, <laughs> but most of you do, and uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, we'd rather not have to chase you down in a variety of ways, but uh, it's easier just to respond to us if you can. We understand you're busy and have your own stuff going on. Um, but yeah, being able to see people in the hallway and get a hold of them in between sessions, I thought, because um, you know I haven't covered the legislature for, I mean, just maybe over a year now. Um, I thought that was pretty cool, even more so than um, sometimes when you see in other other levels of government that you can get them like that. Was there any any particular lawmaker that you um, that stood out to you either from you know watching them in action, talking to them, um, anyone other than I mean, obviously, of course, you know you know the the big names, but but anyone else that um, that stood out to you this summer? Yeah, there. You know, uh, the big names definitely, especially I spent, for, for those who don't know, um, most of my, like, or most of my time covering the legislative session, um, I, I believe the first three weeks that I was here, I was covering it from home in California. And so that was before I was able to get out to Raleigh. Um, so I was, you know, watching most of it on my computer screen, um, all of the sessions and, and meetings and things like that. And so um, the big names, especially when I got here, it was like, you know, it was like seeing the, like, quote unquote, celebrities of my computer screen in person, you know, the the Tim Moore and the Phil Berger just like being in the same room. So um, that was cool as, as like kind of my start as a political intern to like coming full circle and getting here. Um, in terms of the like reporting I did and the people I got to talk to, I think, um, you know, the one I, I mentioned on Domecast before actually, but the one memory that will stand out to me, I think of an interaction with the legislator was um, Senator Jim Perry, who's a um, Kinston Senator, he's a Republican. And, you know, I was working on a story a while ago about this bill about uh, robot deliveries and then how, um, you know, they're kind of looking into and, and making it legal for robots to be delivering things around the state. So we might see robots delivering Amazon packages and other, uh, other you know, food and, and things like that. And um, he was so excited about this legislation that when I reached out to him to talk to him about this, he texted me like a few hours later, um, you know, 
before our phone call, before our interview, before any of that, to just send me this video that he had made to show to his colleagues about the bill. And it was just this very like exciting music played over this uh, montage of old pictures of, of different like inventions and especially with delivery and transportation and, and kind of like the process from then to today. And so um, it was cool to see that kind of enthusiasm and excitement for a bill um, so much so that you made like your own home video about it and, and we're like sending it out now to the reporter who was asking questions about it. So um, that moment definitely stands out to me among many of, of kind of interactions with and, and observations of, of the many characters who are uh, populating the legislative building. What's the quirkiest thing you saw in the legislative building? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I think that there, were, I, I, I would say it would be hard to think of moments uh, on kind of like a very specific personal level that weren't quirky in some way. Like, I feel like everybody there is so much of a character, not just the legislators themselves, but like everybody who works in that building, like in the press room, everyone's a character too. So it's just like hard to name just one um, because I don't know. I, I think that when you get into like an area, like a political, like legislative building also, like people there, both reporters and like lawmakers are people with very niche interests who get very excited about them too. And so you get like a lot of fun interactions where somebody is telling you something um, like when Don was telling us about um, how turtles need to be, I, forgive me if I get this wrong, need to be like walking in the correct direction. If you put them in the wrong direction, then, you know, it's going to be really bad for them. And so like things like that, where people will just get like, very excited about a specific piece of knowledge they have, I think is very representative of reporters, but also, you know, uh, lawmakers too. So, so I think there was a lot of moments like that, that really stood out. Did I get the turtle fact right? Yeah. I'll just add the PSA on that. <laughs> I learned that, if you uh, if the turtle is crossing the road and you're trying to get it to safety, make sure to take it to the side that the direction it's already pointed in. Otherwise, it'll just end up going back that way and back into traffic. That's not a legislative uh, thing. I know it's just random knowledge I found out probably on Twitter. Julian, one thing I wanted to ask you about: um, obviously, you're a college student uh, in New York City. You know, New York has had plenty of problems with coronavirus. So that you know, you've been following everything up there. Obviously, you've been following for us, you know, all the responses here, not to put you on the spot, but, you know, how do you think the the two states compare, you know, obviously both Democratic governors, both with, you know, kind of a rise in cases and, you know, super complicated questions of, you know, how to, you know, reopen schools and colleges and things like that. Um, what have been like the, the key differences and that, that you've seen between those two? Yeah, well, I'll also bring in a third, which is California, um, you know, where I spent most of this pandemic, um, or I guess probably now it's been split kind of half probably between California and, and half between here. Um, but, you know, I, I think New York is an interesting case just because it was pretty different from the rest of the country and that it got hit so hard and so fast that we didn't really know fully what was happening. Um, you know, it, it was just cropping up everywhere. I remember when I left New York, which was, you know, sometime in March, um, when my university sent everybody home, there was, you know, articles that I was reading that were, you know, if you're in New York right now, just assume you have the virus, you know, and um, I was fortunate to not have the virus to not, you know, bring it home to my family or anything like that. But that was a genuine fear that I had just because it felt like it was everywhere. And like, it was inevitable that if you were in New York, you were going to end up getting it. Um, and so, you know, I, I haven't been following it as closely as I have, uh, you know, here covering it. Um, but from what I can tell, things are starting, you know, are looking much better now and have been looking better in New York uh, because, 
you know, they were able to get some of those restrictions in place afterwards. Um, but it, it was kind of a, a, from, you know, the way I saw it, it seemed like it just hit so fast that we weren't super prepared for it in New York. And that now, you know, in the time afterwards, they've had time now to kind of recuperate, but because that it was so widespread at the time, and especially in New York City, it, I think it really got a lot of people on board then with um, any restrictions that were being put in place because people just wanted, you know, to do anything to make sure that this stopped. Um, and, and I don't know that that same sense, I think to different degrees, I've seen that same sense of urgency in other states that didn't have that same kind of dramatic immediate impact. Um, but, you know, when I left California, I was a little bit worried coming here because, you know, the cases here were much you know, higher and California was actually doing pretty well. And now California has seen a resurgence because people have not been, you know, as far as I understand it, people haven't been vigilant about um, some of the restrictions. They've tried to kind of push reopening a little bit too fast. Um, at least that's that's what I understand has caused this kind of resurgence of um, cases. And so now I'm going back and, you know, California is not looking too great. And so it's like, it's interesting, um, you know, how quickly things can change at the state level. Um, and how different responses have been in different states. But I think a lot of it, from what I've seen, has been kind of circumstance-based and like the way that the virus hits and then how people kind of respond to it because of, of that kind of public awareness and, and reaction to it. What do you think that, um, what do you think that you'll take from North Carolina? And you talked about having the um, covering national politics before. What do you think having that North Carolina perspective has sort of like changed what, maybe what you already thought about about this state, about this area um, of the country, any anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that regardless of where I go in terms of like what I report on next and what kind of um, reporting I, I end up doing, I think it's it's been extremely valuable perspective. You know, I think it always is just like, for me personally, and I've tried to, to you know, find a range of experiences to grow as a reporter. You know, I, I think it helps a lot to cover a lot of different places because there is such a unique personality to every like place that you go. And, you know, I only got to see a very small part of North Carolina, but even still, I feel like I got a much better sense in these past few months of, you know, what kind of not not to say there's one personality, but what kind of personality the city of Raleigh has and, and you know, the state legislature and, and kind of getting a better sense of like, you know, how to effectively report here. Um, and I think that's something that I'll, I'll be able to take with me to wherever I go, because North Carolina is a very different state uh, from California, from New York. Um, but it, it, I've been able to see kind of the similarities and the differences. And I think kind of use that to figure out um, how to be a more versatile reporter. And so I'm looking forward to, um, you know, both having this knowledge, if I ever do get to report um, on the state again, in whether that's in a capacity of, of at a national level or at a local level, I also am just looking forward to generally being able to kind of take this experience to any other positions I have and, and be able to, you know, be a more versatile reporter there. Do you um, do you have any questions for us that, that we want the public to know our answers to? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess if, if you guys just want, like, I guess if this is a um, episode about, you know, my hot takes and my experiences here, I wonder if you guys have anything that you feel like, this sounds like such a weird and conceited question. The only thing I'm thinking about is like, if you guys have any like things from this summer that you feel like you took away from like us getting to work together or something like it, you know, if there's anything of having like this weird California, New York transplant come into the newsroom that um, helped in any way or enlightened you guys in any way. But I don't mean to, to sound like I'm asking for praise. I just, I'm trying to find a question that works in the framework of this episode. Or if I gave any hot takes, that you guys want to expose that I didn't uh, publicly say here. Uh, Julian, I'll say for, uh, you know, since most of your internship here, you're working from California. Um, that was, 
I, I was getting emails from you at, you know, 8 a.m. our time, which is 5 a.m. your time. Uh, and, you know, uh, I, I promise uh, to all our listeners, we weren't trying to haze you, making you get up before dawn. But, you know, that's always refreshing to, to see someone uh, so eager to do the job uh, that you're you're getting up at that, you know, <laughs> awful hour to, uh, you know, start listening into uh, to legislative Zoom committee meetings or, you know, send emails or whatever. So uh, a, a good reminder that uh, for us who complain, you know, oh, we got to get on Zoom at, you know, 830 or whatever for work, you know, well, some people have it worse. <laughs> so good job on that. I'd say you you took your your first moment like a champ where I was like just uh, meet me like right out front of the legislative building and like just walking up to you in mass like hey and then giving you the the tour which I think was a moment that um, you know not a whole lot of people have experienced and I think you've really just like everyone has um, ideally been able to do is just adapt to what uh, what life is right now. Um, and it was great that you were able to come out here and to experience this in person. Of course, that's not not for everybody, but I think that added a lot to your internship, even though a lot of it was stuck in uh, in your apartment. And um, it was fun to uh, meet up as our as our politics team outside, distanced, masked as we could, um, and at least give you that perspective of uh, of, of capital city. But um, I think the fact that you always have like an, and, and what is key to any reporter, but especially in, in politics and government is always wanting to learn more about something. Um, and, you know, that kind of cliche of like the, you know, the more you, the more you learn, like the less, you know, and you realize that like there's, and that's, what's fun about this job too, um, about always learning new things. And, and I think that um, is a really good asset. And um, I learned about like the delivery robot. So you taught us plenty of things too. So I, I appreciate that. I think also I'm impressed with how much you were able to hit the ground running because Lucille and I are pretty new ourselves. And I felt like you kept up with us so well and knew what you were reporting on and had so much knowledge having come from California and basically got thrown into a session. You know, you were part of the team. We didn't, you weren't our intern, you were part of our team. Yeah, I'll just add to that. Um, I really admired Julian's um, sort of, he found a, an area he was really interested in, that being like prisons and jails. He also happened to be really good at fact checking, uh, which is great because we all got out of the pressure to do more fact checks <laughs> a lot of the summer. Uh, so we appreciate that. But if you haven't read um, some of the reporting Julian has done, over the summer on everything from, yeah, personal delivery robots, but definitely to jails and prisons, which is sort of his passion. Um, you should definitely take a moment to do that. I think a lot of the stories he did, they were timely, but also timeless. You know, we'll be seeing a lot of these issues come up in the next few months too. All right. So we'll be right back with Headliner of the Week. All right. We're back and we have the results from last week's poll. Um, so... The winner of last week's headliner of the week is, I believe, Will for uh, the hurricane, which not super surprised that that one won. Um, I pulled in second place, which is my highest ever on uh, one of these poll of headliner of the week polls uh, with Trump's election delay. And then um, tied for last, we have return of sports and legislators joining the board. I mean, um, how dare y'all not vote for sports? Really? It's just a scandal. So I guess that means Will is sitting out this week. So uh, Danielle, if you want to 
start with yours. I'm going to go because it's the only thing that I've been working on this week. I feel like I'm going to go with the John Neville story. I think um, it was a win for transparency that we were able to publish these videos um, and show the public what happened in the jail. I also think that um, it's led to some good conversations about policy reform and changes that may need to be made and at least looking at that topic to see where we go from here. So I'm going with the John Neville case. I wish I could steal that one, but I can't. So instead, I'm going to go with the UNC sorority video that went viral this week. Um, I also just put up an Instagram post about it, so it feels especially relevant, um, showing around 50 sorority women, mostly unmasked, very close together, alarming a lot of people, um, both on campus and around the community. So I'll be interested to see... um, yeah, how that plays out and what's going to happen in the next few months. All right. So my headliner of the week is intern extraordinaire Julian. <laughs> so you, uh, you're our headliner for being such a great, uh, great asset to the team this summer. All right, Julian, what's your pick for headliner? Well, I'm honored to be featured as, as one pick, but um, mine will be one that probably won't make sense to anybody who didn't listen to the episode, but Um, I'm going to go with, and maybe a little bit cheesy, but just the whole state of North Carolina, I think, because, you know, it's really not the headliner of the week for me. It's just the headliner of the summer, but um, it's been such an amazing and welcoming experience getting to come here and uh, being someone who's come from out of state. I was very, uh, I felt it was very warm welcome, even though, you know, there were some growing pains trying to get my bearing and figure out, you know, how to report here. So everyone from the the team at the News and Observer, the politics team especially, but but really the whole state, every you know source who agreed to talk to me, and everybody who like gave me their time of day this summer, um, and you know the staff at Krispy Kreme who you know I bought coffee from and donuts from pretty often. The whole thing was just a great experience, and so I just want to shout out the entire state for that, or and the city of Raleigh especially too. All right, y'all. Our, I think this was the best episode ever Like <laughs> with Julian. So uh, one thing you need to do, uh, Julian, before you leave is please eat a Bojangles biscuit just so you can tell everyone in New York and California about how great it is. <laughs> All right. So you can vote in our Twitter poll at Under the Dome and we'll uh, tweet that out once this is posted. And I'm Don Vaughn for Danielle Battaglia, Lucille Sherman, Will Doran, and our farewell episode with Julian Shinbarrow. But maybe he could come back as a special guest sometime. We'll see. Um, we'll uh, talk to you next time. Thanks. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.